You're listening to That'll Preach, a weekly segment on the Forks Midtown Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm joined with Paul. And we're going to have a really good time today, aren't we, Paul? We've got a great show lined up. We do. I feel like I'm Jimmy Fountain. Like, we got a great musical guest. Harry Styles is here. P. Diddy. P. Diddy is... Nobody <laughs> listens to P. Diddy anymore. This just dates you, me. Yeah. It's the only thing that dates me. I was just going to... We made that joke like seven uh, we're times. We're here all night, folks. Okay. But... but uh, we got a good, we got a good podcast today. We can talk about some really cool stuff. But before that, we've got our hot take segment. Well, really, your hot take. This is this is the money maker right here. This is why people listen to this show anyway. So this you can just stop listening after. Up. That's true. All right. So basically, what we do is we do a little hot take, an unpopular opinion, something that you know might uh, might might make us lose some friends. But we got friends to lose. You don't need that many friends in life. Am I right? You don't have friends. Yeah, I well, thought I was your only friend. Well, I might lose you today. <clears throat> so here's oh, my hot take. Here's my unpopular opinion. I don't think, I think most, let me, how do I phrase this? Half of Hillsong United's band, I don't believe they're actually plugged into the speakers. I think they're all faking. I think there's actually <clears throat> four or five actual musicians who are really plugged into the speakers playing and the rest the third, fourth guitarist, all the extra vocalists. It's just, it's all, I don't think they're even plugged in. It's just there for show. Why do you think that? And two, what benefit do they get from doing that? They just, the, 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 it the makes them look more full. It. Yeah. It makes it look more full. It makes it look more, I don't even know, <laughs> but I'm just watching. There's no way you need that many musicians to play some of these songs. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, there's no way you need to layer that many guitars, layer that many you know, keys and all that stuff. I just don't buy it. So you think there's like, like 15 people on the stage. You get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, but that's, if you ever watch like an orchestra, that's how they do it. No, but you don't It need sounds more full. No. So you think like actually what you're listening to doesn't sound like it's made by all those people. No. It no. sounds like it's made by a fraction of them. Yeah. And you just got people with guitars that aren't even plugged in, <laughs> mics that aren't even live, and they're just mouthing things. I'm picturing just like a little kid and then you like kind of turn off their amp just to give them the feeling that they're playing. Exactly. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, you tell me why. I mean, that's, you don't need 13 people on a stage. You don't. For a worship song. No. Right? Yeah. So I just don't buy it. I think it's all fake. I mean. I mean, half of them. I think some of them actually are. I mean, they're incredible musicians. They may all be incredibly musicians. I'm just saying, I don't think they're all plugged in. I what just if, don't buy What it. if they don't know which ones are going to get the, the amp? Like they just draw straws at the start. Oh yeah, maybe that's to keep them humble. I don't know. I hope like Brian Hughes doesn't hear this, you know, and be like. Is there a particular song that you're thinking of? Maybe you don't want to say it. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. I don't know all the names. I don't know. I just don't want Brian Houston to be like, don't insult our brand. Wait, was that a good? That, uh, was, that was not very good. I was going to ask though, do you think that <laughs> Hillsong United is better than the Beatles? Because um, if you, there's an answer here that can get you in a lot of trouble. Do I think Hillsong United is better than the Beatles? I will say I enjoy Hillsong United songs <laughs> more than I enjoy the Beatles. I can't believe you said that. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think even like Brian Houston's going to get on you for that. He's going to be like, I can't do Brian Houston's accent. Yeah. I thought, no, I, isn't that a great compliment though? I'm just putting them on par or I just, I'm just saying, Beatles. I don't know that they're as musically impactful as the Beatles or as skilled. I'm just in terms of taste. I kind of like the newer stuff. I kind of like, you know. Wow. You really don't like the Beatles then. No. I mean, I, I, I don't listen to music before 1990. Really? I, I, I knew that about you, but I still feel like I'm learning so much more about you. Well, through these hot takes, I know, I know, see the all my secrets are coming out. But I don't know. That's 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 what I think. I think half of Hillsong are not plugged in. Doesn't mean they don't sound great. It's just, you know, 
we're going to have like someone write in like a like a secret tip from Hillsong. Like, yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> I know. Well, that more like an expose. Like, yeah. this just in. Anonymous source. <laughs> Although I think Hillsong's got enough uh, headlines right yeah, now. Yeah, that's so true. We'll just, you know. That's true. But um, Segway. Just Google Actually, it. Just Google it. If you're wondering what we're talking about, just Google it. Great, and then great, uh, don't uh, email us. Very appropriate hot take for today. Exactly. Well, uh, this does actually transition quite nicely yeah. because we're going to be talking about singing today. True. So we're in our series on why church matters and talking about why church matters. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, good marketing, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about singing. Okay. Why does singing matter in the church? What is well, unique about Well, before we do that, Brian's going to sing for us. <clears throat> Spirit lead me. Ah. Ah, stick to preaching. Yeah, that, I, I think know, that's right? your spiritual gift. <clears throat> that was off key. I need to warm up. You were supposed to harmonize. I, you Sorry, didn't... I would. Oh, we should do like a beatbox. Maybe at the end. Oh, don't, that be fun. don't tempt me. Okay, listen. <laughs> we just lost all of I mean, if we If we were live and Hello? we could track our viewers, Hello? it'd be like, oh, a massive <laughs> dip at five minutes in, <laughs> coinciding with me trying to sing. All right, right listen. We can't you keep getting sidetracked. I know, here. I know. Okay, the people need us to be on point. So mm. singing. Yes. Singing. Why is it important? What's unique about Christian singing? Hmm. And uh, I think when we talk about Christian singing, we've got to talk about Christian songs or sort of the, the hymns throughout all of church history. These mm -hmm. great, rich, theological, powerful, musical, beautiful songs that make up, you know, how Christians have been singing for generations. Yep. And one of the things, I, this is a, 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 you know, Martin Luther quote. Ooh. Well, I'm going to paraphrase it, but okay. he basically said that he would give up all the pulpits uh, if he could if he could take control of all the hymn books. That's right, yeah. You know, and there's something powerful about that where the songs we sing teach us theology. Yeah, they shape absolutely. our minds, they encode theology, <clears throat> and they transmit it through the generations. I think that's really important. I think mm. what Luther was getting at is not just you know you can make a song and it could be popular in your time, mm -hmm. but he's thinking down the corridors of time of his grandkids and his great grandkids and generations, you know, far removed from his day, are these songs going to be able to encapsulate truths that are going to be true throughout all time? Mm. And so when you think about what's unique about Christian songs, they're not just expressing certain things, right? They're encoding certain things. They're, they're preserving theology and proper doctrine and teaching throughout the generations Absolutely. in a way that is so memorable, mm -hmm. in a way that that incorporates emotion, and in a way that incorporates artistry. I think that's such a powerful way of looking at songs. Yeah, and and it gets human psychology right. So look, think back to the Old Testament, New Testament, the the history of Christianity, songs and hymns like singing psalms, singing songs to God. That has been part of like. Judaism, Christianity from its inception. And it's because they've latched on to this like principle of human psychology that we, we do remember things more when we sing them. So like I can recite something and I can sing it. And there are studies that show if I sing it, I actually do remember it more. And that's like, it's, it goes just hand in hand with modern psychology. Aren't there those like, uh, those, those, they, they, they've shown people with brain damage. And they can't speak. They lost their motor skills, but they can sing still. Yeah. So, because it's 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 in a different part of the brain, it's stored in a different way. I mean, that's that's fascinating. How deeply embedded songs can be in our memory. Sure. Yeah. There you go. And I, you know, it's it's teaching us theology. Like Ephesians five nineteen, we're supposed to speak to mm -hmm. one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And notice, 
it's not just singing to the Lord. It, we're singing to each other. We're teaching each other. Yeah. So you go to church <clears throat> and you may feel terrible. You may not be feeling it. You might not believe the promises of God, but the person next to you is singing their hearts out and they're mm. ministering to you in that moment. Yeah. And you're hearing the whole congregation. You're hearing the leader lead you into that. It's, you know, it, 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 in a sense, you're being brought before the throne of God with everybody else. They're kind of carrying you there through their mm. song. And that can lift your spirits and that can help you kind of, you know, get out of the rut and start to sing yourself. So that, that's kind of the, 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 there's a ministry aspect of singing that's so important. Yeah. Both to yourself and to, to other people. Right, right. And I just want to read this quote from John Chrysostom. He's one of the early church fathers, really fun name to pronounce. Um, but he talks about how God saw human nature as slothful, as like, it's really difficult to get people to want to worship. And so he gave us songs. He gave us hymns as part of our liturgy, as part of our church service to help with that. So he says, um, God gives us this ease to the effort so that we can have pleasure. He wished to make the task more agreeable to relieve the sense of laboriousness. He mixes melody with prophecy so that when we're enticed by the rhythm and the melody, all we all might raise sacred hymns to him with great eagerness for nothing arouses the soul and gives it wings and sets it free from earth and releases it from the prison of the body and teaches it to love wisdom and condemns all the things of this life as much as concordant melody and sacred song composed in rhythm. Johnny C. Johnny C. Always you laying it down. That's beautiful. I mean, he gets humans. That is like, how many times have you like been ministered to by like, like songs just hit different as the youth would say. Yeah. Like sometimes you hear something and you're just like, it would hit yeah. different. It, and then you like hear it sung powerfully. You yeah. go like, man, that's moving. And that is just like part of what it is to be a human being. And, and like God capitalized on that. The church capitalizes on that. And that's why hymns are so important. When you think about the Psalms, it's, oh yeah, it's not only, it's, it's a mix of the prayer book and the hymn book yeah. of mm -hmm. Israel, you know? And uh, that, that's, there's something so rich about that, that, it's not as though humans were like, you know what? We love this theology stuff. Why don't we just sing about it? <laughs> it's like ingrained mm. in the scriptures as something we're supposed to do. We're commanded to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's such a, we're, we're, we're made for it. And it shapes us at a core level. Mm. You know, that, that's something that's interesting too. When you sing, you know, on a very basic level, you feel you know, you, you go to work out or something and you put on some music that gets you in that zone. Right. Right. So, right. so, so the music can actually change your mood, can change your mindset. That's the power of music. And so that's, that's on a very superficial level of shaping you. But, but imagine being raised in these hymns yeah. and hearing people sing Sunday after Sunday and being, and being immersed in this sound mm -hmm. that is going to change you. Absolutely. You know, again, we, we say this all the time. This, we talked about this when we talked about liturgy. Yep. Is that we're creatures of habit and yep. we're not just brains in meat suits. Right, right. Right? What we hear, what we taste, what we see, what we visualize is, is shaping us in profound and powerful ways. Mm -hmm. It's not just a download of information. Which is why singing does something different. Singing the same words will do something differently to you than just reciting those words. Right? Because we are embodied. Those embodied practices... Uh, do like change how we view the world. And so it will, it might like pierce differently. It might go deeper. Right. If, if it is attached to melody, if it is sung in a moving way, if it's sung corporately, right? All of these added dimensions do something deeper to us as humans than just like, there's nothing wrong about reciting creeds and things like that. Sure. But there is something deeper about putting them to 
a melody and singing them corporately. I think I heard somebody say about songs. They said that uh, a like instrumental music give you the feels. This is a paraphrase again. And uh, <laughs> poetry gives you thoughts, but a song is feeling a thought. And it, it makes you kind of... Does not compute. Just yeah, kidding. whatever. It sounded good, though. I don't know. I just... Like, I didn't say it. Was, I thought what, it was so deep, though. What was your... What was the... Like, what were you trying to get with well, that? Well, that is just that it, it's, it's taking truth. It's the best truth, of both worlds. But yeah, it's taking yeah. truth and it's bringing it to life in a very... Um, is the word visceral? Yeah. yeah. A very no, visceral yeah. way. Yeah. You know, where you're like... When you when you say something versus when you sing it, mm. you have to enter in... You, you really have to have some kind of conviction or or sense of like no i this is real yeah you know to sing it with with joy and rejoicing it's like the difference between reading a screenplay and acting it right right like you can you can just say the words right but if you deliver it in a certain way like that like both for yourself and right. to the audience like that's that's that kind of visceral that's moving reaction you're absolutely about. true i mean yeah. that's a great analogy because when you read a script and you act it out you're not even just thinking about getting the words right. You're also right. getting the feel and the right. mood. Because exactly. you're, you're, you're communicating <clears throat> meaning through how you're saying the words. Mm. It's not just the straight words in themselves. It's how you deliver it completely changes and, and can either clearly communicate the mm. meaning of the words or not. So if you're singing a song of joy, you want to sing it joyfully because that's part of communicating what the song is saying. Yeah. You know, and so it's all incorporated into that. I wonder what implications that has for, <laughs> like, in the reformed context, people are known for being like the frozen chosen, yeah. really stiff. Like, oh, it's man. almost like talking to your wife and saying, I love you so much and I would die for I you. I love you so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, that, there's that Babylon B, which talks about like uh, the motion sensor lights Life. went out during a Presbyterian <laughs> worship service. Like until the, until the service ended and yeah. they all moved <laughs> and the lights came back on. And, you know. There but, is something uh, to that. There is something. Yeah. But uh, I love, uh, I was just looking through the Old Testament, you know, in, in First Chronicles, there's all these chapters on how, or verses on how there are singers uh, alongside the Levites who operated in the temple, who lived in the chambers of the temple, and they, uh, they sang, hmm. right? There were musicians in the temple. David appointed musicians, people with stringed instruments, people would sing with joy in the, in the temple. And the idea is that the, their voices would fill this temple yeah. and would elevate people into worship. And uh, I just think about that, that even the architecture of the temple was made so that these voices could resound. And there's something about, you know, even when you look at our glimpses into the heavenly throne room, right? There's, there's people worshiping, there's singing, there's, there's praise going on. And so worship and singing are, are intrinsically connected. Yeah. I mean, and, and even in the temple, like, like we were talking about earlier, the musician is a really specialized role, right? Meaning, like, there is something to just like, sure, not everybody has to be like a professional musician. Sure. Or this is not to say that church should only hire professional musicians, but there, like, it is a good in and of itself to produce and craft music that is just right. beautiful. And you think about like the history of Christianity, Handel, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart with the Easter Requiem. Like, you've got all these beautiful like. These are considered like the greats of Western civilization. Right. And, and these are all not only just Christian writers, but they're they're making Christian music, not just because like it's not like there are lyrics to them, but they're meant to be like, this is this is me worshiping God by crafting this right. like like melody and making it beautiful to God. And you know, you can add lyrics and stuff later with Handel's Messiah, but like, yeah, like the best of Western civilization's music is Christian. And just think about like 
we've kind of lost that. We've kind of fallen far away from that with contemporary Christian music, but yeah. And there's a beauty to musicianship, sure. to, to, yeah. to, to having people who are good at it. And of course I can be vain, but so can being a great preacher be vain. Sure, yeah. But you still yeah. want a good communicator. You still want somebody who can rightly, you know, divide the word of God, speak it, preach it. You also want that for a musician. You want right. somebody who understands the craft and the beauty and, and that music is meant to elevate, hmm. right? It's not meant to distract. You don't want to distract, right, but it is right. meant to elevate. And the point is it's to bring us before the throne of God and to focus on on God, Yeah, you know? And um, that that's that's such a, I think that can be lost, you know? And uh, one thing that's cool is, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't grow up a Christian, but I grew up around Christian songs. I mean, think every holiday season, I hear Joy to the World, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hark of the Herald Angels Sing. I would know all these words. I'd even learn them on the piano. <laughs> and it's sort of like getting, you know, I don't know what, it's sort of like getting a pair of clothes that are too big for me at the time. But once I grew to the right size, they, they finally fit. And that's like sort of like how I feel with like, when I became a Christian, now suddenly I could wear the clothes that didn't fit before. Like I don't understand what analogy. it meant, but now I can, you know, now it just fits. I can wear it. I, I understand the fullness of it. And, uh, or are you just imagining me in like an oversized t-shirt right now? I am. I was like, did you even grow after like sixth grade? I did not. So it's a, <laughs> I'm, I'm like 0 for 2 in analogies today. <clears throat> That's but okay. Regardless, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I grew up saying joy to the world. The Lord has come, let yeah. earth receive your king. Right. And then, you know, he, he rules the world with truth and grace, makes the nations prove the light of his righteousness. I mean, it's just, it, it's just like, this is talking about, this is, talking about new creation, it's about talking about the renewal of all the world. It's talking about the gospel going to the nations, the joy of the world receiving mm. her king. Right, right. Right. You think about Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know, I I never knew what this was about, but then you read in the second verse, uh, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. I'm I know, like, it's one of my this, favorite lines. This is a, this is Trinitarian theology. Yeah, this yeah. is incarnational theology, mm -hmm. Christology, all this stuff bundled up into these beautiful verses that that five-year-olds can it's sing. It's deep, it's rich, and it is beautiful. Like the like lyrically and musically, they are just beautiful. And yeah. I think like the reason why they've stuck around so long is because like they are high quality, right? Like if something doesn't pass the test of time, then that could just mean it was a fad right. or it was catchy right, or it was right. whatever. But like these songs have withstood hundreds of years of like, you know, lots of different cultures, lots of different cultural zeitgeists and whatever. Like the world today is secular in the West. And yet we still sing these wholeheartedly, right. US and UK and Canada, because they are just like beautiful pieces it's of music. It's an undeniable beauty. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I, I just saw another, the, the end of how the Herald Angels, Angels sing, mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Yeah. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. I mean, he's talking about a conversion, mm -hmm. the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I mean, his victory over death. I mean, this is some powerful theology. It's great. And uh, it's all there. And I was seeing it as a, as a kid, not knowing the full meaning. And now that I'm an adult and I allegedly am an adult <laughs> Maybe. and I'm a Christian, I, I'm just like, I had no idea what these songs, man, and now I do, and now I can, it's almost like my joy is complete with it because I enjoyed the songs and now, now I, now I get it. Now I understand mm. the fullness. Now I fit into the sweater. Does it you still do. work? Is it still? I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let it slide. It? Okay. That's all right. All right. Okay. And once, so <clears throat> the, the emphasis there, we talked about this at the start also, I think a lot of 
and this is going to be like, oh, okay, let's, you know, rag on contemporary Christian music. But I just want to do, do it. it for a second here, right? Like there is just a shining of the spotlight and emphasizing the individual, right? right? The songs are about me. The songs are about my relationship, my whatever, like my heart, my zeal, my fire, right? Not even to like talk about some of the incoherent lines and verbs and adjectives, but just like the emphasis is on me. And I think one thing we want to stress in this series is that church life is corporate, right? So like thinking of, of, of the subject and the object in worship is the church to God, right? So worship is to God. It's aimed to God. It's about God, but it's for us. Like we're the ones that are shaped and edified right. and grown through this process, but we're not edified and we're not shaped if the limelight and spotlight are always on us, right? right? We're walking our whole lives through you know, work, school, family, and we are just constantly self-obsessed. We're looking inward all the time. Worship in the context of singing should be an opportunity to move that inner light outward and to look at something else. Look at the object that is going to shape us deeply, the object that's God, the object that's the church, the object that's salvation, redemption, all these things that are outward focused. That's where the shaping comes. That's where the, um, I'm not, um, I'm recalibrating my heart, I'm recalibrating my mind so that I'm not just obsessing about my problems and my, you know, my brokenness and my failures and all these sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I think even just choice of, of songs can go a huge uh, distance in aiding that goal. Well, I like what you were talking about moving, shifting from an inward focus and outward focus. When well, we think you. about singing now, when you write a song and nothing wrong with this, but it, I think what's unique about Christian worship and Christian singing is normal singing. You write a song, you're a singer, songwriter, whatever. You're singing from the inside out. You're, mm. This is how I feel inside. This is what I feel to be true. And I'm going to express it outward. But in worship, we're singing the truth. It's outside of us. And we're bringing that into ourselves by singing. Yeah. We're singing these truths. I'm going, even though I don't feel this, I'm going to sing and I'm going to wrestle that into my heart. I'm going to bring that into my heart through singing. The other thing is we, in contemporary music, we sing at each other, <laughs> right? Yeah. But in Christian worship, you sing with each other, mm. right? You sing at each other and I want to express my individual feelings and thoughts. Not a bad thing, yeah. right? I want to express what I'm going through, how I see things, <clears throat> okay? It's an expression, right? That you hear artists say this yeah, all the time. Yeah. I just want to give something that's raw and real and true to myself. But with corporate worship, you're not expressing yourself, yeah. right? You're singing with others and you're, or, or in a sense, you're expressing yourself as one of many. Mm. You're expressing as a corporate body. You're singing alongside each other. And I think that sense of being pulled outside of yourself and, and having to grapple with objective truths, but also having to realize that I'm one of many. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. me on display. Mm -hmm. It's God on display and the beauty of the church as mm -hmm. his bride singing. That's the point. So there's a, there's a complete, um, you're not forgetting yourself because you are singing your heart out. Mm -hmm. But you're not the focus of that. Right, you're not you're right. not singing your heart out so that people take notice of you. You're singing your heart out so that others will take notice of God and the truth that you're proclaiming, and that you might find yourself uh, as as part of this this body. This other people are, are are singing their hearts out too. Other people are experiencing redemption too. I have to insert my trademark psychology study here just to riff off Do what it. you said. So, like we talked about the the teaching theology dimension. We talked about the shaping dimension, like 
there's also what you talked about, Brian, there with the connecting of the individual to the body. Like you feel bonded to and connected to and part of something much larger than yourself. There's lots of evidence that shows that people, when they sing together, they feel more socially bonded. They feel like they're losing themselves in the group, like to the point where two people who sing together uh, would report, you know, I would, I would give them more money than two people who haven't. You can do this in all sorts of studies. And so like singing does bond us to and bind us to those who are in our communities. Um, it leads us to, to see them and to predispose us to be more sacrificial towards them, to see ourselves as not just uh, this is me and God, but this is the church and I'm part of this unity and this entity. And we've talked a lot about, like we've used lots of prepositions here, like we're singing with each other, not to each other. We're singing to God. not So those might seem like pedantic points, but they are like huge that we are singing, that the object of our singing is God. So we're singing to God. We're singing to like, it, it's aimed outside of ourselves, but it's not for God in the sense that like God isn't the one being edified by the singing. We are, right? And we're singing with each other, not to each other. That's also an important distinction because it's not like a love song between me and like this other person. I am singing as part of this like corporate entity with all of these people also looking at this object outside of us. And I think getting the prepositions right there just helps focus and shape and situate worship in the way that it's supposed to be. Well, that's so key what you're saying. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. And remember, the, the, the church corporate is the bride. Us as individuals, we're not the bride. Right. I mean, I think dudes get like, they're just like I'm a bride. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus wants to marry me. It sounds good. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, weird, we yeah. as the church are the bride, right? Right, right, right. And so that's how we, <laughs> that's the perspective in which we sing. Not that mm -hmm. God doesn't care, care about us individually. Of sure. course he does. But when it comes to the focus, there is a focus on that corporate aspect. Yeah. And it's bonding together, like you said. Mm -hmm. you, you think about people in pubs. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're they're singing these songs together. These dudes, these or early blue games. collar, yeah. yeah, these early blue collar dudes with tattoos. They're they're singing in a bar. Yep, they all know the words, and mm -hmm. there's this just joy, and there's this connection that it builds. Absolutely. So it's not this sort of you know, I don't know, cheesy type of thing. This is something that you know, soldiers, yeah, marching and, yep. and having chants yep. together and and going to battle. It's it's a unifying it's absolutely reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a there's a guy named Jeffrey Demmer. Oh yeah, Jeffrey Demmer. And uh, you don't know who that is. <laughs> Jeffrey Hammer. Sorry, Jeffrey oh. Hammer. He's a Lutheran <clears throat> pastor, and he talks about the Lutheran songbook, some of those famous Lutheran hymns. And he's mm -hmm. like, man, there, there's some like manly tunes here. He has one where uh, he says, uh, <laughs> he talk. This is a quote from. Him. He says, uh, we've got. Uh, some songs that put to shame that do you love me Jesus check yes or no shtick of pop Christianity <laughs> right and it's uh, here's here's some lines from some hymns the son of God goes forth to war a kingly crown to gain his blood red banner streams afar who follows in his train who best can drink his cup of woe triumphant over pain who patient bears his cross below he follows in his train the martyr first whose eagle eye could pierce beyond the grave <clears throat> who saw his master in the sky and called on him to save like him who pardoned his on his tongue in midst of mortal pain he prayed for those who did the wrong who follows in his train you just like yeah wow. let's go that's right? amazing it's i've never powerful. heard that one yeah yeah i mean there's a bunch of them <clears throat> and uh but but the whole point is he's saying is these aren't just you know he loves me he loves me not yeah, jesus yeah. do you want to hug me all that stuff like they're they're <laughs> they're courage building faith strengthening yeah 
battle cries almost of singing. And uh, and I, one of the great things is when you go to like, you know, a men's retreat or a men's conference, something like that, and and you hear just the dudes singing and these low voices of these old dudes who are just singing their hearts out. And you're like, wow, these guys have gone through stuff, haven't mm. they? You know, they, they've gone through some hard trials and battles. And when they sing about the blood of Christ, when they sing about the friendship of Christ, the the, the, the sacrifice of Christ, the love of Christ, they're, they're singing from deep in their bones. Mm. And uh, I, I think that that's just a, a powerful thing. And this sure, is probably, yeah. you know, I'm not a big worship music person I, I i'm trying to grow in that you know mm -hmm. but i just i don't know maybe i didn't grow up with it i don't know what it is but i've had to learn i've had to learn and be like look you just have to you can't be self-conscious and you have to sing you sing out of tune whatever you know like yeah, sing, yeah. sing with vitality sing with with a sense of of resolve and uh because it's just as important as hearing the sermon yeah yeah and trust that god is is shaping you and growing you in that step of faith, even if it doesn't sound good, even if you don't feel like it. Again, like your feelings might not be there, but right. you, we trust that like there's this principle that if I act even without affections, if I act even without feelings, that the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to push those two things together and begins to stir in me the affections. Um, and I kind of want to put you on the spot and ask you what your favorite hymn is. Oh, man. Um really on the spot there yeah i know i'm trying to think <laughs> probably from hillsong united yeah or the beatles i i really like uh jesus on my cross have taken is that a hymn right yeah that's is a it hymn. more contemporary i don't know i, yeah. can't, I don't know when yeah. it was written no i, mean, I think yeah, that's, a, that's that a powerful one yeah um what's the one that he says uh to look on him and pardon me what's that one uh before the throne yeah before, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a good, a good one, one. Yeah. that's a good that's more contemporary but it's great oh is it really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we're not anti-contemporary mm -hmm. no no no, not at all know. we're just anti-bad right right <laughs> right and there's some there's some good modern sure. stuff being absolutely written. um you know what so there's here's a good example kind of a a mashup so there's a there's a song gray is i faithfulness but mm -hmm. stephen miller i think it's stephen miller he does a cover of it and he adds a new chorus uh like sort of at the climax of the song and it's like in parentheses, uh, Grace Thy Faithfulness in parentheses, Jesus, you're faithful. And I think it, it, it's a really, it's a great contemporary spin on wow. it. You know? I would not have expected you to know like the actual name of the person. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. There's, there's some, if I really like a song, I'll, I really like it. You, you know? like Andrew Peterson? I haven't heard enough of his stuff. Really? But I've heard great stuff. I mean, what <laughs> I have heard to I've Jordan liked. Peterson, by the way. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. And you don't want that, bucko. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, that was a Jordan Peterson impression. If, that, was, that was good. Google that, too. But, uh, yeah. What about you? Probably like uh, How Great Thou Art. Oh, yeah. Come Thou Fount. Come Thou Fount. Yeah. Gotta love it. There's a fountain. Yep. It's kind of, it's like, got like a morbid feel to it, but it is moving. You know, a great, I don't even know if it's, I, I, I would consider it a worship song. I mean, there's a song by Shane and Shane called Though You Slay Me. Oh, yeah. Oh, Powerful. Yeah. And then if you go online <laughs> and you watch their live version of it, they incorporate a John Piper sermon about yes, suffering. Yeah. So it's like extra the like old school sermon yeah, jams. Just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Boy, I'm just going to cry here. You know, like it's it's a great song of lament, yeah. I think, mm -hmm. which is, you know, maybe lacking in today's contemporary world. Mm, there's that's another, true. There's another great song um, by, oh my gosh, I can't remember. 
it, it's called it, it's based on Psalm 42. It was from an old Mars Hill church. Okay. Dude, one of the dudes at Mars Hill wrote it. And I think it's called Psalm 42, Satisfied in You. Okay. It's a really, really good one. So there's yeah, some there's some modern stuff that's there's like a really lot, killing like, it. For those of you who are musically inclined, there's a lot of good stuff in the Psalms, mm-hmm. like Psalms waiting to be put to like more contemporary oh, yeah. music. And yeah. But I, you know, I, it's just all reminding me. I love what you said though about songs that stand the test of time. You know, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis mentions that about books. Yeah. You yeah. want to read the old books because right. they have they have weathered the storm of changing cultures and exactly. times and, and ideas. And they've shown themselves to be true. Same thing with these hymns. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's great creativity of rearranging these things, writing new songs, sure. having carrying on that rich tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, because at some point, it's like whoever wrote these hymns, those were the contemporary songs right. at the time, right? They, 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 you know, someone could have been like, why don't we use the old Latin song yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and so we, we don't want to be, you know, um, I guess hypocrites. I don't know what it would say, but but of course you should yeah, write yeah. new songs. Yeah. There's, there's place for that. Don't be snobs about it. Don't be snobs about it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> like, like you would be with the Beatles. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this but, is going to be a trope that's going to come up over and over know, and over. I know. Just like gype. <laughs> if you don't know that. Go back and listen to our gluttony podcast. Exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, we've covered a lot. I mean, yeah. singing teaches theology. It shapes you at a core level, mm-hmm. right, as a habit. It yeah. brings the truth into your heart. It connects you to the rest of the body. It's not just about you. We're collectively the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. and it unifies people together, kind of like people in a bar singing a bar song together. It I like that picture. Them, right? Church is like a bar. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> honestly, it just it, – if you just go in thinking – Oh, this is singing just for me. You're going to be like, well, I don't feel it. I don't want exactly. to sing. And it's like, well, it's not about you. Yep. You're here with us. It's it about us. It frees you to do it even if right. you don't feel it. Yep. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And what happens more often than not is when you start doing it, your affection you start follow. to feel it. Yep. Right? yep. right. And that's almost like it's by design. I know. Right. So sing, value singing, value music. It's doing more than just expressing yourself. It's shaping you, molding you in ways that you may not know for years. And then one day you look back and you go, wow, like that, that, that was formative for me, knowing these songs and You'll actually them. use the word formative in an English sentence. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's all we're trying to accomplish here. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully this was helpful. We trust that it was. And uh, that wraps up our series on why church matters. Yeah. So hopefully you know why church matters. And when this whole COVID thing is over, we get back to church and we go, man, we get to go in Get with the liturgy, we get to hear good preaching, we get to sing together, we get to pray together, we get to serve each other, we get to see our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can just rejoice. So, you know, we pray that God would make that day happen sooner than Mm -hmm. later. And we thank you guys for listening to this. And we'll be back with a special Christmas series. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Very special. Brian's going to sing Hark the Herald Angels. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's going to be great. Thanks for listening. Leave a review. We are out.